You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. PackersTalk.com. You're listening to No Huddle Radio on the Packers Talk Radio Network, your home for in-depth and thoughtful Packers analysis. I'm joined by my good friend Gil Martin. He's a writer for the Packers Post and Cheesehead TV, and I'm your host, J.J. Leahy. We're here to talk Packers because you're all here for one thing, and that's a love for Green Bay football. Listeners, I just want you to know that the fact that you're getting an episode from us today is borderline miraculous <laughs> Gil how long have we been sitting here trying to get our audio to work I mean it's 40 about a half minutes, hour right? yeah 35 40 minutes something like that yeah so if you're listening to this and if there, if there ends up being any audio issues uh I'm sorry uh tough <laughs> <laughs> now now we we, we did our best here under some difficult circumstances so bear with us and by next week we'll have it all straightened out Absolutely. So um, we are determined, rain or shine, through any kind of peril, whatever. If we if we have to get on a landline and call each other and then tape record that to get you an episode, by golly, that's what we're going to do. So uh, <laughs> we finally have our Aaron Rodgers news. Gil, oh my gosh. So sick of waiting. We got it. We got it. Well, we sort of. It. We, we, we still don't know the numbers. Yeah, see, you know, we thought we had it. We don't have it. Uh, you know, Rodgers had to sort of just add that little extra twist of the numbers and, and, and everything else. And, you know, but, but all joking aside, what we don't know is like, okay, if it is a four year deal or any of those years void years, how many of those years is he really going to play for? Uh, there's still a lot we don't know. What we do know is Aaron Rodgers will be back in Green Bay in 2022. Yeah, so the I think the the most cap space that they can free up from his 2022 number, I think, is only about 20 million. Uh, he currently is on. Uh, we have are on the hooks for him for 46 and a half million dollars for 2022. And a full 20 million of that is a prorated bonus from previous years that we can't really move around at all. Um, and you have the matter of whatever percentage of his uh, overall cap hit uh, from spreading out bonuses and such is going to still hit 2022 anyways. So the idea that uh, his, uh, salary and bonuses would possibly come any lower than about six million dollars. I think is pretty unlikely. So you're probably looking at at least twenty six um, million that he's going to count for in 2022. Beyond that, we really don't know. Uh, we are anticipating he will be the highest paid player in the NFL. Um, I if he is actually here for four years, if it is a four-year deal, I'm over the moon happy about this. What I've said from the beginning is we needed to either move on from him or sign him to a long-term deal. The short-term, halfway, uh, try and make everybody happy option was never going to work. And it, it, the initial numbers that we got from uh, Ian Rappaport sounded 
like that's what it was going to be, that it was going to be a long-term deal, four years, which is great. Um, even if it is $50 million, that's fine. That's it, Four years from now, $50 million is not going to be a lot. So I'm 100% okay with that. But now we have the whole thing about, well, uh, we Aaron's saying that those are not the numbers. And <laughs> according to Pat McAfee, he's saying that Aaron says that it's going to be more team-friendly than that. I kind of have my doubts, but we'll see. We, we just don't have the info right now. We, we don't. The, the only concern I have is that I don't want this. Like, okay, if it's a four-year deal or a two-year deal with two void years or whatever it is, I want to have a certain amount of certainty. And my concern is that Rodgers will not give that to us. And that, you know, come February of 2023, when the season is over, hopefully we play that long, uh, we're not sitting there waiting for Rodgers to come on Pat McAfee again and say whether or not he's decided to retire or not. And the whole thing starts all over again. That's what I want to avoid. And until we get the details on the deal, I'm not comfortable that we're past that. I I think everybody, including Rodgers and definitely the team, also wants to avoid that. Now, two two things I want to address based off of what you said. One is the idea that you could have some flexibility built in there. I think the best way you do that is with roster bonuses as opposed to signing bonuses um, where where you structure his contact, contract to say you get 50 million bucks a year uh, that you earn uh, on like the third day of the new league year. And if you're still on a roster at that point and have not retired, then you get $50 million. Otherwise, we're not on the hook for that. And, and that gives the Packers, um, some, some security there. The other thing, like you're saying, with the whole concern that maybe a year from now or two years from now, you are right back here with Aaron decided, trying to decide if he wants to retire or not, which I think is a very real, real possibility. What do you do with Jordan Love? Because if you, and this is why I've never wanted the sort of halfway, commitment of like you know one onesie twosie year uh thing here with void years spare me i don't want any of that that's awful and the 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 number one issue i have with the jordan love topic right now is at a certain point if you are determining that you have no intention of starting jordan love for four years He's going to want a trade. I think you have to honor that because it's the right thing to do. You drafted him in the first round. He wants to, he, he did the work to become a first round quarterback and now is essentially in a, in a position where he might never get the opportunity to be a starter. And I don't think that's fair to Jordan. And I, I get that Jordan is being paid millions of dollars to do this. But it's it's still, I think, a a sucky thing for the Packers or any team to do to a guy to 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 draft him in the first round and then say, yeah, we're gonna let you play at your whole rookie contract where you're just stuck with us and we're never gonna actually give you the opportunity to start. Yeah, it does sort of put Jordan Love in no man's land, so to speak, and that is a problem. Look, as far as this year goes, I think the Packers are in a a little bit of a conundrum, but I think it's 
a win-win if they play their cards right. The trade market for Jordan Love may never be higher than it is this offseason because right. there are no great free agents out there, and it's a weak quarterback class in the draft as well. We already saw Russell Wilson move. We already saw Aaron Rodgers now off the board for trades and free agents. I mean, the the next best name out there is Jimmy Garoppolo, and, and nobody is going to mistake him for a franchise quarterback at this stage in his career. So if there is a team, and I've heard the Indianapolis Colts mentioned as a possibility, but if there is a team that had Jordan Love graded highly, and, you know, a lot of scouts have said if Love came out this year, he'd be the number one quarterback in this year's draft class. If you can get a second round pick for Jordan Love, uh, it might be worth it to do it and then sign on Marcus Mariota or somebody like that to be your experienced backup. And then in a year or two, think about drafting the the next heir apparent. Uh, that might be one thing you could do. Or if nobody bowls you over with a great deal for Jordan Love, hey, he's still on the rookie contract. He can be your backup this year. And then you, you think about trading him in the future. But uh, to me, you know, Gudikins can sit back and say, all right, you want Jordan Love? Bowl me over with something or we'll just keep him. And it's a win-win in that sense. But I don't think you can do that and be fair to Jordan Love for more than one more season. I, I would agree with that last sentence for sure. It, it, there's also the massive element here of you have a 40-year-old quarterback, 39-year-old quarterback, who you're asking to play a 17-game regular season plus playoff games. We already know he's not going to be participating in the majority of your offseason programming durability is going to be a factor and and your a a a team that is chasing a championship is only as good as their backup quarterback and to your point of maybe bringing a Mariota or somebody I, I i suppose that is probably an option out there um i i think keeping jordan love is is probably the better option for the team but certainly not for jordan you know I, Mar- mariota has already had his opportunity to be a starter, has shown the league and the world that he's doesn't have what it takes. Jordan Love is still trying to make it. And I mean, look, we love Kurt Banker, but he's not. He's not the guy. He's not your QB two. He's he's a good QB three. Good camp body. Uh let's talk about Devontae Adams for a second. So he got franchise tagged. I don't think anybody's serious believes that he's going to play on the franchise tag this year. The Packers want him signed to a long-term deal. Devontae wants to be signed to a long-term deal. The Packers want him signed to a long-term deal before uh, the league year begins so that they can get some cap relief. They don't want him counting $20.145 million against their 2022 cap. And I don't think that he's going to play for that amount if if the season starts. I think he will hold out uh, because... 20 million bucks compared to the 100 million dollars or more that he's trying to earn. He he can't jeopardize that. He has to think of the future and say, "Look, I there there are other options here for me besides being forced to play on the franchise tag and jeopardize uh my long-term health and ability to lock up that 
um, third and final big contract. It's, you know, I hate to tie it all together, but I think that the Aaron Rodgers decision had to be made first. And once that decision was made, we said that all, all toward the end of the season, that that was how it was going to be. Right. So what the franchise tag ended up being for Gutekunst was stalling for time. Right. And now you have an extra week to try to nail it down before the league year starts. And then if it doesn't work and you feel like it's never going to work, you can think of a trade. Uh, or if somebody else signs and they didn't give him the exclusive franchise tag tender. So if another team wants to sign him for that $20.1 million, you get two first round picks in exchange, which is a lot better than the third round pick you get him if you didn't tag him. Uh, you can always work out a trade, which also guarantees that he won't play probably in the NFC. And, you know, it gives the Packers a little bit more control and a little bit more compensation if they can't work out a deal with him. So I understand the move, but, uh, man, uh, it's all connected, like we said, with the Rodgers thing. And, and we still don't know the terms of the Rodgers thing. And that holds things up even more, I think. So there's a few things that we're waiting on. We're waiting for Aaron Rodgers' um, details, contract details to come out. We are waiting for Zadarius to get released. We are really pretty certain that's going to happen. $15 million in cap savings for 2022, which, so by the way, right now the Packers sit at negative $45 million. So releasing Zadarius gets you down to negative $30 million. Uh, we don't know how much they're going to be able to free up from Aaron Rodgers, but we're thinking it's in the neighborhood of 20 million. That puts you at negative 10, uh, where you need to be in essentially a week to start the new league year. Obviously, you need to free up more money to sign your draft class, to uh, have a, some in-season piggy banks. Uh, so that that's where the Jair Alexander and Preston Smith. Um, extensions are going to factor in in a big way. And I think you still have a couple guys that we would not be shocked to see released from the team that we haven't really talked about yet. And and it's just kind of a coincidence that we haven't really hit that part of the roster yet in <laughs> our uh, roster survey that we're doing. So we're, I guess let's go ahead and, and hop into this. So we, today we're, we're touching on quarterbacks an offensive line, and then if we have time, uh, special teams. But my guess is we have a, a nice big special teams episode for you guys in the future. Let's touch on quarterback because this is the thing we've been waiting for for forever. And and to me, it really does come down to what percentage chance do you think there is that the team moves on from Jordan Love so they are able to get a a first round pick, for example, for him. Um, in a trade scenario this year that that is kind of the only item on the, on the board for me here, unless uh, yeah, no, that's, there's no, unless that's, that's the only scenario I see. So the, do, do you, do we think if, if you're looking at the quarterbacks in this draft class and the number of, I mean, there is some, there's a ton of teams that really desperately need quarterbacks this year. It's even if everybody in the draft were as high quality of they as they've been the last few years. You think about the Colts need a quarterback, 
the Giants really need a quarterback. It sounds like there might be uh, a chance that they're going to get something done with uh, Mitch Trubisky. We'll see. You got the Seahawks, the Steelers, the Buccaneers, the Panthers. They all need quarterbacks. Uh, And then obviously one of the things that all those teams are waiting on, they're a little bit at the mercy of the Detroit Lions sitting there with the second overall pick. And they have Jared Goff. But are they interested in, say, Malik Willis or Matt Corral? And that would take another draft quarterback completely off the board. You're going to see uh, teams this year in the NFL starting Taysom Hill, Jameis Winston. Maybe uh, Mariota gets back in into the mix again. Maybe. Ryan Fitzpatrick still around. <laughs> you know, I mean, they're... Yeah, there, there, look, there is there's always, more teams. There's more teams than quarterbacks. That's for sure. There's always more teams than quarterbacks, but there's, you know, see, the thing is, there's always more teams than quarterbacks. But if there is a lot of good quarterbacks in the draft, you know, there there are teams that have established franchise quarterbacks, and then there are teams that are hopeful that they have their next franchise quarterback. And at best, that's a fifty fifty shot statistically that that's going to work out. So you draft a quarterback in the first round, roughly half of them fail to develop the way you want them to develop. So there's always, you know, teams that need a quarterback, but some of them don't know it yet. But this year, there's a lot of teams that need a quarterback. And because there's not a lot of great quarterbacks in this draft, they also realize that anyone they select this year is a reach. Yeah. No, it, that's that's one hundred percent accurate. Now we're expecting Kurt Banker to be back. Obviously, we're all excited that we're going to have Aaron Rodgers under center for the season. He did confirm that. Short term, I don't think there's a lot to really analyze about the quarterback room. Uh, I don't think it's realistic to expect another MVP season in a row from Aaron Rodgers, but also, I don't know that we really expect the offense to really fall off a ton. This year, and if you can improve the offensive line, you right. might you might get better production from Aaron in 2022 than in 2021, even though he was, uh, you know, playing at such an elite level himself that year. You might you might still get better numbers overall in 2022 if the offensive line is in better shape. Well, look, you, you look back at last year. Their two best offensive linemen played a total of nine, eight and a half games, maybe even eight, because I, I think what Jenkins got hurt around half of his eighth game this year. So Elton Jenkins played in eight games. Uh, David Bakhtiari played in half of one. And that's not, you know, they were still able to accomplish what they accomplished offensively in 2021 without they are two best linemen for most of the season. So yeah, you but, get those guys healthy. Yeah. And Jenkins may not be able to start the season on time. We don't know that yet. But I'd you be get, shocked. I'd be shocked. I, I'd be shocked also. But, you know, you get – even if you get Bakhtiari healthy for an entire season and then Jenkins comes in in, let's say, around the beginning of November, you know, that is a big boost – and, you know, if we're transitioning into our discussion about the offensive linemen, the, the, one of the guys they can restructure rather than release to me is Billy Turner. I think you bring back Turner 
but you extend him and restructure him and free up some cap space that way because you probably wouldn't get that much more cap space by releasing him than you would by restructuring him. No, you don't get a ton of – so if if you release him, you save just $3 million and you're left with $5 million in dead cap. I think the Packers are definitely going to bring him back. The Packers like Billy Turner a lot more than I do. Um, I, I, I certainly see the value that he has in his versatility. He can play at right guard or right tackle. Uh, I, I do not take anybody seriously, including Matt LaFleur when they say that Billy Turner can play left tackle. We've seen what happens and no, he cannot. He's he's zero for two in playoff games trying to do that. So yeah. Here's the biggest concern that I have an, an ACL tear, especially for an offensive lineman. Those, those big guys is really a two year recovery. It's not a one year. It, it's two years before you're back to yourself again. Um, do I think that Billy Tur- that uh, David Bakhtiari is going to be ready to start week one? Yes, I do, but I don't think that he's going to uh, be feeling great. I don't think he's going to be playing at the level he historically has in the 2022 season. And for me, I, I have concerns about his future. If you're looking at 2023, you know, he's 31 years old right now. He's, mm-hmm. he's under contract through 2024. Starting next year, he's going to be getting paid franchise quarterback money. He gets thirty over $30 million in 2023, almost $35 million in 2024. And... At his age, with with the way that his uh, injury recovery is going, it's it's not going great. He's not he's not re- recovering in the way that you would hope. Uh, I I have a lot of of real concerns about whether he's going to get back to the level that he was pre injury. You're not the only one with those concerns, and we got to hope. But look, you know what? I'll I'll take it a step further. 80% of where he was pre-injury is still a solid starting left tackle. A, a good, not great, but very good starting left tackle. It and is, it is, but, but the, what I'm, what I'm talking about though is that he's going to get, he's on the hook for, or we're on the hook for $65 million for him in 2023 and 2024. Is he worth $65 million? I, I, no. He's not. What? what no. I don't know what you do with this contract because they gave him so much money. They already pushed out so much money into the future for him. I don't know what you do a year from now. You're going to have to give him another extension. That's what you're going to have to do. Most likely, you have to restructure or extend or both. And and that's that where his age. That's where his age comes into play because he's going to be 32 next year, and we mm-hmm. are we're just sitting here with our fingers crossed, just hoping that he's going to be back to playing like himself, which we just don't know if that's going to happen because we haven't seen him play in a year, right? More than a year. That 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 that's correct, and that is something that is look. If he does not play well this year, they may just cut him. They may just they, let him go. They might have to, and they, and they're still going to be on the hook for twenty five million dollars in dead cap if they do so. Yep, which, which is, the crazy is obviously thing. not a good thing. So yeah. So I yeah. I and 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 then you have the situation with Elton Jenkins. Here's here's the thing with Elton that I think is is equally concerning. 
So Elton Jenkins is only under contract through the end of this year. Mm-hmm. I know I have, I would say less than 20% confidence that he's going to play in 2022 at all. Well, let's say no, 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 not, not less than 20%, less than 50% though. I would say less than 50% confidence that he's going to play in 2022. Uh, and he, he's not under contract after that. And after that, and he's going to want big money. And my issue is you're already paying uh, David Bakhtiari a minimum of $25 million, whether you keep him or not, and up to $65 million over two years if you do keep him. Elton Jenkins has demonstrated that he is the quality of offensive lineman, that he can be one of the better left tackles in football. That is going to earn him a massive amount of money. I, I don't know how you can afford to bring Elton back because you're already paying that ridiculous amount of money to Bakhtiari. And if you want to have a conversation about locking up those types of numbers just at offensive line, I would point out to you the other positions on the team where we are uh, have made guys the highest paid at their position in the league. you got Aaron Rodgers. We're about to do Devontae Adams. We're about to do Jair Alexander. We've already done Kenny Clark. We have David Bakhtiari, and you want to also throw Elton Jenkins on there. The salary cap <laughs> prohibits any one team from having that many top-paid players at their position all at once. I, I think what it will probably come down to next offseason is that the team may have to choose between Jenkins and Bakhtiari, and you probably go with Jenkins because he's younger, and even if you have to eat that $25 million, uh, that may be the, the better long-term move for the Packers. But again, these decisions are one year off. And I'll give you one important difference between Bakhtiari's situation this year and Jenkins' situation in the coming season. Jenkins was hurt midway through the season. Bakhtiari was hurt before the season finale. He was hurt in practice before week 17 last year. That two-month difference in time will help Jenkins come back a little bit sooner. And the fact that Jenkins is about, what, six years younger, five, six years younger than Bakhtiari, I think those two factors give me more confidence that we'll see Elton Jenkins at some point this season, even if it's not week one. Yeah, he got injured in week 11, and uh, Bakhtiari got injured essentially week 18. So, yeah, there's a seven-week difference there. He is um, getting close to a decade younger than Bakhtiari. But, but even so, even if he is able to play – I don't know. I, 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 I guess the issue of him playing or not playing in 2022 does not really have much of an impact on how much he's going get, to get paid, probably. It's, it's a tough situation because you know that he his agent is not going to let him take any kind of a discount to be back in Green Bay. Because if, if, if you can go and get paid like a premier left tackle in the NFL, you, you don't turn that down for anything. No, it, it's, uh, you know, the, that's the best an offensive lineman can do. 
is to be paid as the top left tackle in the NFL. So now you got there, there's two other guys to think of at the tackle position, obviously, uh, besides Billy Turner, and that would be Yash Nyman and uh, Dennis Kelly. I would be surprised if Kelly is back, but not as surprised as I would have been if they had brought back Rick Wagner. Um, here, here's one thing, man. <laughs> For all the complaining that you and I did preseason about the fact that the Packers never ever used Yash Nyman, hey, we absolutely got a fantastic amount of Yash to watch. And it was to the point where uh, for the playoff game, you and I were just absolutely stunned that he wasn't starting. And the, you know, the, the rumor going around is that, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers had said in some sort of like a, a cell phone video that, uh, you know, was expressing some sort of like condolences to Yash, like prior to the game that made it sound like maybe he had suffered a season ending injury that we just didn't hear about. We're not really sure either way. I, I think that, uh, if, Yash had started in that 49ers game. I think there's a, a, a non-zero chance that uh, they do a lot better and, and win that game. Yeah, I, I think it, the result would have been better. Uh, it certainly couldn't have been much worse. And, you know, the old expression, the cliche is when you go to the dance, you go with who brung you. Well, Nyman helped get him there, and I, I don't understand why they moved Billy. T- Nyman at left tackle, Billy Turner at right tackle would have made a lot more sense to me. You know, the other the the other issue, just to bring it up and and complain about Billy Turner again, is that you know he hadn't played for weeks leading up to that at either tackle position, right. and then and then they started him at left tackle, and he hadn't even practiced at left tackle. In the week leading up to it, he'd been practicing at right tackle, and then on game day, they're like, "Eeny uh, meeny, yeah, left tackle." <laughs> Sorry, Yash. Thank, thanks for the thanks for the good times. Thanks for the games that we won with you. You can sit this one out just because <laughs> it, it was a mistake, and they paid for it. Unfortunately, I think the uh, floor just overthought it. I think that's what's going on. And it, maybe, maybe Yash was injured, and it, if he was injured. And you know the Bakhtiari can't go. What other option do you have but to go with Billy and Dennis? And obviously, between those two guys, you have to put Dennis at right tackle and Billy at left tackle. Right. But but uh, but if if this is an issue of Matt Lafleur just overthinking it instead of it being an issue of Yash being unhealthy, that to me is a serious uh, issue that that Matt Lafleur has to recognize. And uh, learn from it and be better for it in the future. No question about it. But, you know, again, it's more the information we don't know. Uh, it, but if, if Yash was healthy and ready to go, he would have been a better choice at left tackle. No doubt about that in my mind. So how do we feel about the guard positions? Here's the interesting thing uh, for for this next season is what do you do with Lucas Patrick? Because Lucas Patrick is no longer one of the really cheap players for the Packers. Uh, and you got Royce Newman and John Runyon that you feel pretty good about uh, leaning on. And obviously the Packers want to keep Lucas Patrick, but you can't keep and pay everybody when you don't have any money. So you have you do have to make choices here and there. 
do the Packers go out and try and re-sign Lucas Patrick, even if it means giving him uh, that that bigger contract to come back? And you are maybe in a situation, the comparison I'd like to make is Kevin King in 2021, where the Packers knew that they had two guys in Jair and Stokes that they felt like they uh, you know, were, were plan A. But they felt like they needed to have that safety net of Kevin King going into the season. And then interestingly, you know, uh, by not super far into the season, I mean, by by the middle of the season, King was not even a starter and Jahir was injured. And you have a situation where they're actually starting uh, Rasul Douglas over Kevin King. And to me, this is the comparison here with Lucas Patrick is you you feel very comfortable with Lucas Patrick because you know him, you trust him. He's been around for a while. Is his ceiling um, as high as Royce Newman and John Runyon? No, it's not. Um, so for that reason, do you go ahead and give him the uh, kind of more uh, modest money like they gave to Kevin King where they gave him five million bucks? And you're in a situation where he might really not end up being a starter for you. I think at this point that Lucas Patrick, the only way he's back with the Packers is if he goes out onto the market and finds out that the market is not good, uh, that nobody is willing to pay him uh, starter money, and he has to settle for less money to come back to Green Bay. And I would feel badly for him on a personal level. I would welcome him back, but they can't afford to pay him starter money. It just uh, insurance policies, you know, th- that's what you pay less money in case. So you don't have to pay more money in a disaster. Uh, and unfortunately, at this point, that's what Lucas Patrick would be for the Packers. I like him. He's a useful player, but they can't afford to pay him starter money at this point. Now, the other obviously nice thing about Lucas Patrick is his versatility. Uh, he is our second best center on the team. Uh, so part of your evaluation would have to depend on how do you feel about Jake Hansen or Michael Menett at uh, backup center. And I think you would need to bring in somebody else. Um, and I would say that somebody else would have to be a draft pick. Bring in a guy who can play center or guard in the draft. I look so looking at uh guards that they have on the roster right now. Ben Braden is still here. Uh Elton Jenkins doesn't count. He's out with injury. Uh you got uh John Runyon, you got uh well right now Billy Turner is still your starting right tackle. There mm-hmm. is a a serious lack of offensive guards on the roster right now. They're going to need to bulk up that position, and I would say left or uh, just tackle in general in the draft. Offensive line might be my biggest concern right now for the immediate future of the Packers. I think that if you look at positions like uh, edge rusher, safety, tight end, there are concerns for uh, like 2023 and beyond. Looking at 2022, I'm not confident that you really have uh, even five offensive linemen that are going to be on the roster week one who are here right now that you have complete confidence in 
and, and I'm saying five just because we think Billy Turner is a little bit up in the air. If you bring back Billy Turner, I think you are sitting at about five offensive linemen total, and you need more than five on the roster. Well, okay. Assuming he's healthy, and that may be a big assumption, you have Bakhtiari at left tackle. Right. Jenkins will probably not be ready to start the season, but then you have Runyon probably at left guard. Yep. Okay. You, you know. Myers at center. Myers is your center. Newman at right guard. Newman is right guard. And if Billy Turner is extended instead of being released, there's your starting five for week one, knowing or hoping you get Jenkins back, let's say by week nine. I'm going to put that out there as a rough kind of a number. Uh, those are your starters. And, you know, I am going to guarantee they're going to draft at least one or two linemen on day three. They're uh, they're they're going to have to because the the yeah. only backups that they have right now are Ben Braden, Jake Hansen, and Michael Mennett. And I don't even know how to pronounce Michael Mennett's last name. <laughs> I'm not sure either, to be honest with you. But but that's it. You don't have anybody else. You have Elton Jenkins sitting there on probably the pup list. Right. You got uh, really just two backups for for all five offensive positions you know there's no simon stepniak no cole van lannan uh who is the other guy uh oh, they, they, they had a guy who went to the the usfl was that cole van lannan i think it was yeah i think it was yeah ben Braden. yep uh yeah no there's not a lot there but there is it, there probably will be more there once the draft is finished and you to know me, to me this is a a position that Goody is going to be hitting the pavement for hard, looking for guys, looking for talent where he can, and he's going to have to take some swings in the draft as well. Because I, I also think that you have a massive question. Oh, we, we forgot uh, Yash Nyman as well. Oh, yeah, uh, we have Yash. That's true. Not not that he's uh, under contract, but I think he's an exclusive rights free agent. Well, yeah, he, he will he, be back. He will be back. He'll be back. He'll be back unless we don't want him back, and I couldn't imagine that. So, But you need an, you need another tackle on the roster at a bare minimum, you have to have four guys for, uh, for your, your preseason. You need it. You need a, a guy like Dennis Kelly there who can be working, um, through the, through the preseason and training camp. And, and if you think about how many offensive linemen we cycled through in huh. 2021 with all those injuries, the idea that you could go into the season with just seven offensive linemen here is laughable. This, this is one of the most immediate and glaring needs that is going to need to be addressed. And I am going to set the number at, I think, three offensive linemen will be drafted by the Packers this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you might have a guy as early as the first or second round if they are going to take a tackle. Outside of that... Uh, I would say you're looking at, at at least two day three picks. Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely accurate. And look, th- there are certain positions the Packers will always draft. You know they're drafting interior linemen, at least one on day three. You know they're going to take a flyer on a receiver, but not in round one. And you know they're always willing to draft cornerbacks and offensive tackles on either day one or day two, in addition to the later rounds. So 
you know, those are the positions they emphasize, and there's a reason for that, and I think we'll see it continue this year, especially based on the need that we see on the roster. And don't forget center. You you want to have another center on the roster, uh, a guy higher caliber than Jake Hansen. I think you need a guy who's a little bit more of the Lucas Patrick caliber that if he's going to have to start for half a season or so, obviously it's not what you prefer because you drafted Josh Myers. But if you if you need to have another guy start for half the season, that you feel like you can do that. And I, there was never any question that you could do that with Lucas Patrick. He, You always had confidence that, hey, he's done it before. He's solid. He is, he is an above-average center. This is the guy that we can put out there, and we're not even going to stress about it. No question about it. And he would be missed if he's not back, but I think the price is just going to be too high. Yeah, like you said, it really is going to come down to he is going to go out there, I think, and test test, uh, free agency. And, uh, you know, you look at at the way the Packers have done business the last few years. When they have tried to retain some of their guys who have gone out and tested free agency, they have ended up needing to pay a little bit of a premium to get them back. You think about, like, Kevin King, for example, that he got $5 bucks to come back, which, especially when you consider what he had done the previous year, what he did in 2021, $5 million feels a little bit laughable. He was not going to get $5 million from another team, but he was probably going to get three, maybe four. Mm-hmm. And, and the Packers had to dish out a little bit extra to get him back. That's, you know, you live in Wisconsin. That's, that's how it is. Yeah. But you know what? I will say this. Kevin King was a useful piece in the limited time that he did play. Now he never stays on the field. Emphasis enough. limited time. <laughs> yeah. Emphasis limited time. But, but look, the Packers got lucky. They got lucky on Rasul Douglas. They got lucky. No one expected him to be as good as he was. And they got fortunate that Eric Stokes was ready to play. What was it? Week three, he started, you know, getting serious starting reps. So they they did get lucky in some respects. But having Kevin King available this season was good for this team, even if he didn't stay healthy, and he never does anyway. So, so, so here's let's transition over to looking at the draft. Here's the, here's the thing: offensive tackle is uh, unless you want to quibble about edge rusher, offensive tackle is the deepest position in this draft class. It's it's stupid deep. And you look at like uh, like the 15 through 20th best offensive tackles in this draft and they are still a lot better than than what you're seeing uh toward the uh like in the second round um in past years there's a lot of guys that really intrigue me in this draft i think it's gonna be fun to uh to look at um uh some of these guys in coming weeks here i especially like some of the really uh versatile guys say Zion Johnson out of Boston College. I know there's a lot of of love for Iowa's Tyler Linderbaum. Mm-hmm. Some of these guys who can play multiple positions. You know, Zion, I think you would have to take with your first pick. I, I'd be a little bit surprised if he's there for your second. But that's a guy, Zion uh, Zion Johnson, he's a, he's a former teammate of A.J. Dillon. Uh, they, were, they were bullying people at uh, Boston College together. Right. Uh, this is a guy who would be like a day one – starter at guard for you 
and and have the potential then to be your right tackle. And I, I think if the Packers are willing to go that direction with their first pick instead of taking, for example, a pass rusher or a wide receiver, uh, you have f- flexibility at that point to move on from Billy Turner, uh, which I, I here here's the here's the number one argument I have in favor of that is that Billy Turner is not your long term answer here. He's getting up in age. He is not a cheap player. Do you, do you really want to lock him down long term? Give him that extension. I I just. I would love to have a young guy in there, especially when we have so many concerns about the future of the left tackle position. If we could mm-hmm. just, if we could lock down the right tackle with a guy like Zion Johnson, who is uh, versatile and can play anywhere you want, man, that would be such a bonus and and give you so much more confidence heading into the future. Don't you love the off season? <laughs> I mean, this, this is going to be. Uh, there are so many moving parts right now. It's going to be fun to see how all of them stop land and land and, and where the Packers end up with them, because this is going to be uh, there's just a lot of questions right now that need answering and uh, bring it. I'm looking forward to the next few months to see how it all plays out. Well, let's wrap up here. Let's go ahead and hit on some special teams. Anyways, we, we don't need to talk about. Uh, depth of like all the uh, gunners and all that stuff and and what the strategy is there plenty of draft talk later we can we can touch on that stuff let's talk specifically about kicker uh, punter and then I'll, I'll just say long snapper is not even worth talking about right now just just let, let, let's just put it out there and say they have to go find a long snapper because Steve Wordle is not the option he's not right. the answer so there's nothing to say on long snapper because there is no long snapper to talk about yet. Punter, do you bring back Corey Bajorquez? And with kicker, is it time to move on from Mason Crosby? Ah, oh, boy. Uh, there's no. There's not an easy answer. There is no easy answer. My inclination is that it is time to move on from Mason Crosby and that I can probably get a punter for less money with the cap being an issue than Bohorquez and his inconsistency late in the season and in the playoff game and the fact that he was not a good holder on field goals and extra points. I, I, I just, you know, we could draft a punter in the seventh round and, and, and solve that problem in theory. So uh, I, I am not inclined to uh, pay big bucks for a punter if Bohorquez wants to take less money to, you know, not less money, but not a lot of money to stay, uh, I would welcome him back. But otherwise, I'm not going to break the bank for a punter. Should I completely tank this podcast reputation by by giving an opinion that everybody is going to immediately hate? Go ahead. Should I do it, or or should I just should I just uh, swallow this? It's up to you, my friend. <laughs> I'd bring back J.K. Scott. I really would. He, oh, he was wow. he was not as he was not as bad as everybody said he was. If you look at his numbers and Corey Bohorquez's numbers, they were basically the same player. Had basically the same concerns of inconsistency. If you're if you are pro bringing back Corey Bohorquez, you can't tell me 
with with the same breath that you can't bring back J.K. Scott because they are they're the same player. It's just a question of uh, is is Bajorquez going to be affordable? Because you know J.K. Scott will definitely be affordable. Nobody else picked him up this season. He's not, he's not on a roster right now. Yeah, and that fact speaks volumes to me about how good an option. Look, I'll give you this, and and, and I will say this: J.K. Scott, a better holder than Corey Bajorquez. I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, like, you, you can't make any case for Bajorquez being a better punter than JK. So if you're willing to bring back Bajorquez, JK is a lot cheaper and we're looking to save money everywhere we can. Look, we're having a serious conversation about moving on from Mason Crosby to save $2.3 million. And because you have concerns about, you know, his 2021 season was not great. I think no matter what, if Mason is back, they're definitely going to have a kicking competition. They do this for him every few years. Yeah. They bring in multiple kickers and have him compete for his job, and, and it usually results in him uh, turning in a really stellar performance. It revitalizes him. It, it really, really does. does. You know, but but also you have to there there is the question of like, has the fountain of youth run out? Mason Crosby is thirty-eight years old. He's gonna be thirty-nine this year. I'm just just no, not many punt or kickers are are kicking at his age, and you look at how bad his season went. And I get that it wasn't all his fault. There was a lot of other issues with special teams, clearly. But is it time to move on? I mean, the Packers historically, not recently, but historically, have been really good about moving on a little bit, moving on from a guy a little bit early as opposed to a little bit late, and letting mm-hmm. somebody else go. Say, oh my gosh, I can't believe. Are you serious? You're letting Brian Belaga go? He's great. Or Mike Daniels, like they're great. Uh, we'll we'll get him. We'll we'll pay a boatload of money for him, and then they fall off. I just, I mean, yeah, you're maybe risking uh, Crosby going to a competitor and still being elite. You know, maybe he's he's winning games for the Bears. I, th- I think the Bears actually finally solved their kicker issue, but uh, Vikings <laughs> Vikings don't have have uh, a kicker locked down. You are probably risking that he could go to another team, and and it turns out that oh yeah he he really is still fine. He just he kind of had the yips, and the uh, the um, special team line was not blocking for him well, and the hold wasn't great, and all that stuff, and and he really is still fine. But I just keep coming back to he's thirty eight years old. I think he's the second highest paid kicker in the league. His uh, cap hit in 2022 is $4.7 million. I think only, uh, what's his name, Justin Tucker for the Ravens uh, costs more than that. And obviously Tucker, absolutely worth every penny. But but for the production he got out of Mason in 2021, he wasn't even close to worth how much he was being paid. No, no question. And the other thing is that Mason Crosby at this stage in his career, his kickoffs aren't. Uh, outstanding either so yeah uh, that's true. there is there is that to consider so yeah be it like an interesting off season coming up no question about it all right as we wrap up uh gil shall we just throw our heads back and laugh at the chicago bears they traded away uh khalil mack to the chargers got back basically nothing in return for him it's like a, like a second and a sixth or a second and a fourth, something like that. Something like that, yeah. Definitely not as much as they gave up for him to acquire him. I, I'm disappointed that he's no longer counting against their salary cap. <laughs> uh, but I, I never pass up the chance to just 
laugh my butt off at the Bears and how incompetent they are. Well, that's always fun, you know. I mean, look, the, the, I, I was hopeful the Packers were going to get him before he was eventually traded to the Bears. They ended up doing okay with Preston and Zedarius a year later, so uh, that worked out very well. And for the Bears, I think, uh, on a serious note, it's more about the cap relief than it is about what they got back uh, as far as the draft picks are concerned. Yeah, the uh, the whole NFC North is rebuilding, except the uh, Packers refuse to rebuild. And that's kind of an interesting situation because I, I think in years past, you would have looked at their cap situation and said it's definitely time to rebuild. But Brian Gutekunst feels differently. He's looking at the talent he has on this roster and says, you know what? Uh, we can fix our cap issues in like one season down the road. We'll just have one really bad season. You can fix all your cap issues. I have a stacked team with guys I like at basically every position, uh, except maybe a long snapper. And I'm not, <laughs> I, I think Brian Gudikins does not look at financial issues as the reason to rebuild. He looks at if you just have a, a, uh, a talent issue across the board, that's when you need to, to rebuild. So interesting off season, uh, Packers uh, seem to be heading into the draft and, uh, free agency in a pretty strong position. Uh, still some, a lot of work to be done in the next week here with all their, uh, contracts and stuff, trying to free some stuff up. But, We'll have new stuff to talk about next week. And that does it for us today. We'll be right back here with you next week. Follow us on Twitter at Gilpackers and at JJ Leahy to stay up to date on all things Packers or to ask us questions. You can email us at asknohuddle at gmail.com. Make sure you're subscribed to Packers Talk on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Big thanks to PackersTalk.com for powering our show. And thank you for listening. Until next time, go Pack Go. Go Pack Go. You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. Packers Talk. Not